The information provided in this show is intended for your general knowledge only and is not intended to be, nor is it, medical advice or a substitute for medical advice. If you have or suspect you have a specific medical condition or disease, please consult your health care provider. You are now listening to The Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs> What's up, health heroes? Tim James here, founder of ChemicalFreeBody.com and your host for the show that simplifies and demystifies how to live an energetic life with a flat belly. So if you're into a healthy gut and staying young, then this is the show for you. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here with another exciting episode of the Health Heroes Show. Today in the house, I've got Barbara Micheletti, and I spelled, I said that right. I know I said it right because I had a hard time with it before. No, uh, I actually met Barbara over at, um, on another podcast I do, I do the Health and Wealth Podcast with my co-host Carter Wilcoxon. And um, we do a lot of stuff over there because, uh, you know, Carter works in the financial services industry with financial advisors. I was a previous financial advisor, and it's called the Health and Wealth uh, Podcast Show. So we help people with their wealth and their health, and it's specifically geared towards uh, financial advisors. Uh, But anybody can listen in. And uh, Barbara was one of our guests, and um, I was really impressed with her, Um, not only um, for what she was talking about, she's actually a gerontologist. These are people that are their life's work is studying aging. And I thought, wow, that we could spin that and bring it over to our show and kind of point out like what's really going on because she's been doing it for 25 years and the trends that she's seeing with people aging. And what we're going to share with you today is really not that good, as most of you are going to know. Like our health is really failing as a society right now. It's a civilization's health in general is collapsing. Um, there are a few of us, though, that are waking up and taking responsibility for health, and that's what this podcast is all about. This podcast is about giving you the tools so that you can become your own doctor, you can learn how to self-heal, and you don't have to be part of this you know, this aging, horribly ac- a- a- epi- uh, a- epidemic that we have going on here right now with a, you know, a loss of motor functions. You can't do your basic activities of daily living. Uh, the expenses to take care of these folks are going way up. Um, I'm living through it right now myself with, uh, with my parents. And um, it's a tough deal. So, uh, Barbara, I wanted to welcome you to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me, Tim. Yeah, awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So the other thing, cool thing was that we were talking about earlier is Barbara's actually super healthy herself. She's got a beautiful head of hair for those of you that are listening. Um, great smile. And at age 59, she's looking fabulous. So uh, her company is called actually Interrupting Aging. It's interruptingaging.com. I'll, I'll put that in the show notes later. We'll talk about it and if you want to get in touch with her. Um, for, for whatever reason, uh, you'll be able to, to be able to do that. So Barb, Barb, I want to talk about like, you know, kind of your backstory. Cause I know you were, you went to become a financial advisor like I did, and then you switched what happened. Well, thank you for that introduction, Tim. And it's, it's funny how life happens, right? When I started off becoming a gerontologist 25 years ago, I had no idea I was going to end up here. And what happened was when 25 years ago, when I graduated from gerontology school with a master's degree, I ended up working in a memory care facility for a couple of years after college. And after that, I fell into the insurance industry. I was married to an insurance person at the time. And over time, I eventually decided that I wanted to become an insurance agent. So I spent 13 years as a business insurance advisor, property casualty for my clients, I noticed over those years that they had a lot of aging issues and money issues. 
And as much as I could help them as an insurance agent, I did. And when I could step in as a gerontologist, even though I wasn't a practicing gerontologist at that time, I was able to help them with cognitive issues and, and such. Over time, I noticed that a lot of my clients had, when I was an insurance agent, age-related money issues. And at that point, after 13 years, I decided to level up myself and become a financial planner and help them with their money issues, with their aging issues, and be done with it. When I became a financial planner, went through the securities testing and all that, I noticed so many of my colleagues, very intelligent, deeply cared about their clients, not always asking age-related money issue questions, such as if you're married, what if your spouse becomes demented? Are you going to be the caregiver? Where is that money going to come from? Are you, are you going to age in place at home? So I made the decision, instead of becoming a financial planner to one, that I'm going to walk alongside and work with financial and insurance industry professionals and other professionals as well, helping them help their clients with their age-related money issues. So really, that in a nutshell, that's kind of where I ended up today with my company. So basically, you're educating financial advisors on which questions to ask so they can get their clients thinking about these realities that are actually going to statistically probably happen uh, to them. And you have to plan if like, it's like, Hey, if you know, a storm's coming, Hey, they'll give the weather warning. There's a tornado coming. You don't go outside and like, well, Hey, everybody come on, let's have a picnic. No, you're going to, you're going to batten down the hatch. You're going to probably get under the house and you're going to wait out the storm. You're going to, and you're going to prepare for that. You're going to have an underground cellar, right? If you're living in tornado country, right. Exactly. And, and you're going to have ways to communicate with your honey. Like um, there's a tornado coming. You need to come home from work or go to the shelter, right? You're going to call your loved ones and you're going to, you're going to plan for this stuff. So when it does happen, mm -hmm. cause you know, it's going to happen mm -hmm. that you and your family are safe and protected and handled. But uh, what I've noticed as a financial advisor is when it comes to, when it comes to death, incapacitation, um, when it comes to um, people losing their activities of daily living, uh, these aren't normal conversations that people even want to have because a lot of us just live in denial. And I know when I was a financial advisor, you know, I felt like if I wasn't helping people look at it, it was like, okay, you have your money and okay, maybe we wanted to make sure it's got a good return. A certain percentage of it is completely safe and protected. You have a certain account over here for emergency funds, da, 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 all this stuff. But at the same time, we were like, we want to make sure that you're not paying too much in taxes because it's not what you make. It's what you get to keep. So there's, that's the second piece. And then the third piece was, what if something like this happens? You die as an example. Having It's like you have to literally like really educate people and sometimes slap them around to get a trust in place. It's like, oh, I don't want to think about it. Like, dude, dude, you're going to die someday. Okay, it's going to freaking happen. What happens if you get in a car accident today? You leave your wife and your kids with a mess. And so what I started doing was I started telling stories. You know, <laughs> like, well, dad dies and Billy and Stevie are like, dad said I could have the Crescent Ranch. No, he said I could have it. And then they, then they, they literally won't talk to each other again, right? And then mom's beside herself because her husband's gone. And now her two sons won't even talk to each other. Like, this is the reality of what goes on. I actually had another guy who was um, a friend of mine, a neighbor. He went over and took care of his mom as she was dying of cancer. And this went on mm -hmm. for a year and a half. 
And his girlfriend <laughs> happened to be a hospice worker too, kind of did that. So she was helping out, but Rick was over there a lot by himself, taking care of his mom. His brother didn't do anything, but what his brother did do at some point in time, went over there, took mom to the bank and added his name to her account. And this one account had a hundred thousand dollars of cash in it. And then when she died, he took the hundred K and then Rick's like, dude, you, you know, that's, you need to split that between me and our sister and you. And he's like, Nope, not going to do it. And he's like, and then he was literally like, ha ha. That's what you get for treat me like that. When we were kids, like literally, like you have no idea what's going on in somebody's head. So you're leaving behind an actual shit storm for your family. If you don't plan for this stuff and, and not just the kids and all that stuff, but your, it could be your wife or your husband. Like if you have to go into a care facility, it can be very expensive. Do you have insurance for that? Long-term care. When we can talk about all this, I mean, do you have any, you know, this, you know what I'm talking about, right? You've, you've been living this stuff for 25 years. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's actually in my program. I created an aging and money blueprint program for financial and insurance professionals. It's going to branch out into other senior focused professionals, but boy, you hit the nail on the head family estrangements that are that happen if you don't have a will or a trust in place to direct where you want your assets to go, who your beneficiaries are. And more importantly, another thing that you pointed out as well is when 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 your parents or other older adults are getting closer to the end of their life. And if there's any kind of a cognitive impairment, maybe not even a cognitive impairment, but you're just simply getting toward the end of your life. You really need to make sure that everybody in your family is speaking to each other and is on the same page. Ideally, doing all this, creating these legal documents, putting together a plan, an estate plan, an aging in place plan, what is going to happen when everybody is cognitively healthy and physically healthy. Because if not, when you get into when it does hit the fan and you have something happening, especially if it's a parent. I'm not sure in your family, but in my family, we and we had seven kids. When when something happened to one of our parents, I mean, it's as if we all became kids again and big adult bodies, you know. But when it's your parent, you're very emotional. And when you have those emotions directing you, you don't necessarily make the wisest choices. So having that paperwork in place to prevent the family estrangement, to make sure that you don't have somebody coming in at the last minute, diverting all the assets over to them causing this future estrangement is just the smart thing to do. Yeah, for sure. Oh man, there's so much to talk about before we get into the other stuff. Um, um, I wanted to uh, share a little bit, like, uh, you started doing jujitsu. How long have you been doing that? I did. I started back in 2020. And the funny thing is, and we didn't even get a chance to talk about this, Tim. My son-in-law is a six degree black belt Brazilian. He's from Rio de Janeiro. And he is a six-degree black belt jiu-jitsu, global champion, married to my daughter, who had no athletic bone in her body growing up. So it was a little shocking when they connected and they eventually married her no athletic, really, interest, him, major athlete. Back in 2020, when COVID started to happen, when everything was shutting down, and as you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu is a grappling sport, which is like wrestling. You know, you, you, you're you bringing somebody, contact sport, no hitting at all. You're bringing them to the ground for a submission. When 2020 and COVID was happening, my daughter, who had never, she's married to her husband, six-degree black belt, had never done jiu-jitsu, said, hey, mom, 
do you want to start jujitsu now? My daughter is 30, she'll be 39 this year. So she started later as well in her later 30s. She said, hey, mom, do you want to start practicing jujitsu with me? Because her husband could not, because everything closed, remember, because it's contact sport. So everything closed. He had to practice online for his students. So he brought in my daughter, his wife, to help him. She grew to like it. And then she wanted to start training when they opened back up. And I thought about it. And at first, my ageism kicked in. And I was I had to smack myself and say, no, I'm not too old to do this. I can definitely do this. So I started back in 2020. And while I took a little break, I've been training now full-time for almost a year and a half. And so now my daughter just celebrated her blue belt. She stayed on with it since 2020. And so now I train at my daughter and my son-in-law's academy in Tempe, Arizona. That's awesome. And I, love I wanted it. to bring that up because we're, you know, one of the big pillars over here is movement. Like you have to move the body. Um, and I actually remember this lady. She's like, if you want to lose, if you want to lose weight and get healthy, like if you're severely overweight, lay down on the ground and just start rolling around. Roll to one side and roll to the other and just begin the process of movement. So I really applaud you and your daughter. I mean, your daughter started moving for the first time in her whole life. This is this is. And, and she started doing jujitsu, right? Moving, rolling and wrestling around with other folks on the, on the mat. Awesome. And you started in your late fifties. So it's like, this is proofs in the pudding. It's never too late. Or even if you've never been an athlete before to start moving your body, it's, it's designed to move. And the more you movement, I, I would imagine you probably feel younger now since you've been starting that, right? Oh, I, my body's been transformed and I was always an athlete. I mean, I've always been active. I've always been busy doing something what was a distance runner and lifted weights. I mean, I have always been athletic. My daughter has been yoga and things like that. So she's always been physically fit. She's in a really great shape. She's in the best shape she's ever been. And I'm in the best shape I've ever been. And I was in pretty good shape before that. But I've seen my biomarkers change as well, like the blood work that I do uh, to, to monitor my own aging process as well. It's just been an incredible transformation. Yeah, that's really cool. That's awesome. All right. So you have been a gerontologist for 25 years. You've, you've seen all this stuff. I mean, you went from insurance, a financial advisor, and then you basically decided to help financial advisors. So I guess, you know, one thing that I wasn't even thinking about was, but for the listeners here, um, you know, cause my, my point was having you on is cause we're going to get into some of these trends and stuff that you're seeing on a daily basis. And I'm saying just to really wake people up to, what can happen in the future if you don't take care of yourself? Now, most of our listeners are here because they want to take care of themselves. But sometimes, you know, there's the carrot and the stick. Like, we're always like, hey, positive, positive, positive. But sometimes the stick hitting you will get you to move faster. And we see a lot of that where we get clients where, you know, a spouse dies or a really close friend dies of cancer or something. They're like, oh, shit, I, I, I got to, you know, I'm eating the same stuff they're doing. I'm drinking the same stuff. So I got I to gotta make some changes. Or they get a heart attack and like, I got to change, right? But I, I, I want to recommend that the people that are listening to this podcast, if you if you do have a financial advisor, then hook them up with 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 Barb. Barb can actually train your financial advisor how to help you plan better, which would be really smart. Or if you don't have a financial advisor, um, you know, find a good one. We could probably go to the Health and Wealth podcast and, and they can hook you up with um, we have some really good ones that come on our show and stuff We're all over the United States. And then you still want to get them hooked up with Barb, which I think you're actually partnering with with Carter now, aren't you? And doing some stuff with him. I am. Yeah, that's awesome. So I figured he would see a lot of value in this because he wants to 
he really Carter's goal is to really not just help the financial advisor, but help their clients. And if he can help their clients, he's doing his job. Right. So I, I see why he brought you on. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to get into Gero science. When we return, we'll be right back. Turmeric has been used for thousands of years all across India and Southeast Asia and is one of the best anti-inflammatory compounds on earth. Now you can get these incredible benefits with the new chemical-free body Turmeric 100 liquid drops. This ethically sourced breakthrough solution helps against inflammation and pain. Turmeric 100 is made with the same chemical-free body promise. No stimulants, 100% organic, and always made in the USA. Get yours today at chemicalfreebody.com. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here. I am back with Barbara Micheletti. She is a 25-year gerontologist, uh, which is a, a person who studies aging. Why, we're going to get into geroscience, but before we do, maybe we should have done this. What's the actual definition of a gerontologist? I just kind of simplified things. It's, it's funny. After 25 years, I'm still describing what a gerontologist is because people often think of geriatrics, geriatric care manager or a geriatric nurse or a geriatrician. So the difference between a gerontologist and a geriatrician is the geriatrician, geriatric nurse, they're medical professionals who go through regular medical school. Well, the doctors do go through regular medical school, and then they take additional courses on the diseases of an aging body. So that's a geriatrician. They can also be gerontologists as well, but usually they're geriatricians practicing medicine. Gerontologists are typically the non-medical people that study the aging pro scientific study of the aging process in a non-medical capacity. There could be some medical people who consider themselves gerontologists and PhDs. Typically, they could be MDs, mostly PhDs. But we study the aging process scientifically from a biological, physiological, psychological, social, and cultural aspect. And we focus on the older and the elderly person. So yeah. that is a definition of a gerontologist. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it was like I connected the dots because I was thinking anthropologist and they study, you know, bones and things in history. And then the word geron, it's, it refers to older people. So I'm like, she studies older folks. I mean, that's basically what it is and, and trends and stuff like that. So, okay. Now that we know what a gerontologist is, what is geroscience and what it, what's that all about? So geroscience is a fascinating field of study. When I was a ger when I was going through gerontology school 25 years ago, they did not talk about or teach us geroscience because it was just coming around. This is also my program in this aging and money blueprint program because it is it covers the entire aspect of aging and geroscience is a very big part of it. 25 years ago, it started off with studying worms. Believe it or not, they're called C. elegans, and really. This is where this whole field of ger geroscience came from. We're is this part worms. of the genome project you're talking about? Oh, I'm not sure if it's part. Of, maybe it could be part of the genome project. But as far as the, the scientists back in the 80s, starting in the 80s, they really evolved toward the 90s, the success rate of being able to manipulate the lifespan of C. elegans worms. And when they discovered that they were able to do that, well, it opened up a whole new, it was a whole new ball game. Like it was a game changer. And here's the game changing point. When we think about diseases, chronic diseases, because the aging process in and of itself increases our likelihood of developing chronic diseases. Okay. So when we think about geroscience, geroscientists look at our body 
from a 20,000 foot view. So instead of looking individually at heart disease, individually at dementia, individually at cardiovascular disease, diabetes, whatever, they look at it from a 20,000 foot view of the entire body and say, we can slow down the aging process at the molecular level. And so this is what they do. And it's created this whole new field called geroscience. As you and I would know, Tim, like we would, back in the day, we would call it anti-aging. So now it's longevity. It's, it's health span. It's increasing health span. And what we call increasing compressed morbidity. In other words, having a super, super healthy life, which is what you advocate on your show, which I love. Uh, for as long as we can to be healthy until we are until we are very close to death because we we are going to die almost neuroscientists have a different say in it but we stay as healthy as long as we can until we pass away it's called compressed morbidity so geroscience is a fascinating field and there's also trillions of dollars being poured into it and there's and there's new science that's coming about it from artificial intelligence as well and it's global. It's not just here in the United States. Well, I just realized that I'm a geroscientist. <laughs> I didn't even know it. And I have a lot of people that follow me that are geroscientists too. We probably didn't know that either. Maybe some of you did. But um, you know, we have a lot of people coming here because they have debil debilitating diseases, life-threatening diseases, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And they're just looking for lifestyle hacks that'll help them. But there's a there's a there's a good crowd um, of people. I mean, I have a guy right now that I'm thinking of. Steve, he's a He's a cop. He'll be listening to this probably. Retired cop. And um, he's basically just, he's, he's 50, 51 years old, and he's retired now. And just enjoying um, getting as healthy as he possibly can. And he actually did like a Navy SEALs training thing when he was down in like Florida or something and did really good. Nice. Like 20-year-old men sitting around the side. They're like, how are you doing that? You know, and he's like, well, you know, I've been working on myself for about a year. And he's been following me for a year or two. And um, just adopting everything. He's got the hydrogen machine. Like, you know, he's got the, every, when he comes on the group coaching calls, if he shows himself, he's usually in the sauna, you know, taking a far infrared sauna while he's doing it. So he's, he's putting the work in. He's creating an environment and a lifestyle that's bringing about um, high quality of health for him and vitality. He's not worried about, you know, getting into the bathtub and getting back out because he can't move. So that's, well, that's really awesome. You bring up a really good point, Tim, and I'd love to just kind of extrapolate on that a little bit. So sure. what what Steve what Steve is doing, you really have to work hard at at staying healthy. I mean, it's not it's just not easy for us. It's not an appeal. We're constantly every moment of every day we're aging, every moment, and we have to push back if you want to and be aware of yourself, you're aging, self-aware of your aging, but we have to push back the aging as much as we can, which is why I do jujitsu is pushing back that, that aging clock. And with what your client is doing, pushing back the aging clock, working really hard from a physical level and from a cognitive level and combined, that's where the scientific research sits. If we can combine physical exercise along with mental exercise, which is like what jujitsu does and Tai Chi and Qigong and other types of martial arts like that, combining the co cognitive component with the physical component, that's the, and, and a good diet, of course, that's our optimal pushing back the aging process plan. Awesome. So is there anything else we should know about geroscience? I mean, it sounds like there's just, like you said, there's a lot of money and funding going into it. It makes sense because human beings want to live forever. I mean, that's kind of the goal. Actually, subconsciously, we think we are. 
right? That's why a lot of people are in denial and they don't get trust. And we, I, I don't tell people to get wills. I'm like, just get your get a trust in place. That's what you want to do. And that, that, that I would just, that's the old financial advisor. I mean, or just a, as a hardworking, you know, uh, working class person, I would share with all of you, you got to get your financial stuff in, in place too and do it, do it ahead of time and don't make it a big deal. Um, because I, I know why it's because people don't want to go down and see attorneys on Friday. They want to have a pizza party, right? I'm not sure we got to take the family out to pizza or should I go see the attorney downtown, wherever and go up into some high rise and pay 300 bucks an hour. So, and then you couple that with like, you know, I, I'm not going to die. I'll do that later. Kick the can down the road. Well, my little brother died. He had a mountain biking accident, broke his neck and he's dead. And uh, he actually had a bun in the oven when that happened. So I, my youngest niece, um, Sophia, she's never even seen her dad except through photos. So this stuff does happen and we have to, we have to prepare for it and stuff like that. So, you know, I try to help people just having a high quality of life when you're here. But what happens? Like I could, I got to go into town tonight and teach class. What if happens if I get an accident? Do I have my affairs in order? Because if not, I'm leaving a shit show for my family. So that's, again, why I wanted to have you on here is because we're going to now get into more of some of the stuff, unless there was anything else about geroscience that you want to comment on. Uh, no, I mean, we could really go down a rabbit hole with geroscience. It's just a fascinating field that I recommend everybody look into, Your all your your listeners look into it encompasses the anti-aging longevity and all that. But I did want to make that, I, I wanted to emphasize your point on working with a financial planner to have those, your, your ducks in a row. You, yeah. You, if you're, if you don't, you're right. We just don't know what's going to happen to us. And it's, it's nice to hear non-gerontologists talk the way you were just talking, which is, which is recognizing that something could happen to you at any time and realizing that and having that plan in place. Yeah, it's it's planned for the worst, expect the best. I mean, that's the attitude you have to have. Yeah, I'll get exactly. this stuff done. I'll do it because I love myself and I love my family, right? All right, so let's start pointing out some of the stuff you're seeing because I'm really interested in these trends, okay? Now, but right before the show, for years, since about 2011, I've been you know going and touting, telling people like, hey, the United States spends more on healthcare than any other country. It's like $3.3 trillion a year. We just went and looked up the new statistics and oh my God, it's now four point three trillion. Four point three trillion is the as the U.S. healthcare spending average, and we were looking at this health consumption expenditures per capita, the United States versus other countries. We're spending twelve thousand nine hundred fourteen dollars per person per year, and then the next country was seventy three hundred Germany, Switzerland seventy one hundred. Netherlands, 6,700, Austria, 6,600, Sweden, 6,200, um, uh, France, 6,100, 5,900 for Canada, the Canadians up there, Aust uh, um, Australia, Australians, 5,600, uh, people from Belgium, 5,400. I used to, I love Belgian waffles, but they have to be gluten-free now um, and, and non-GMO. Um, let's see here. United Kingdom, 5,387, Japan, 4,666. Okay, so. Japan, you know, we got Okinawa over there. It's part of the blue zone, so maybe that's helping out over there. They're eating a little bit healthier. So the United States is pretty much double everybody else, uh, the, the larger countries and stuff like that. So why are we spending so much over here? So what do you have anything to comment on that before we go into, like, some of these other trends with memory loss and that kind of stuff? Well, I mean, if you look at it from a business perspective, if you're throwing a lot of money at something and it's not working and you're a business 
man or a businesswoman and it's not working, we would dial back and say, okay, let's stop doing that and let's figure out what we're doing wrong so we can get it right. And not go out of business. (laughs) And not go out not go out of business. The same could be said with with our healthcare. We spend a lot of money, as you just said those numbers. They are true. In our healthcare, are we seeing the results? I would argue not so much. The the American Medical Association just announced, I think within a couple of months ago, that obesity is now considered a disease. And uh, if you, depending on the report you see or the report you read, between one half and three fourths of Americans are either overweight or obese. We definitely have an issue with that now, and their future aging is going to be a challenge for them as well. Um, it's great that they can get the treatment that you know. If you have that issue, if you have this concern, you know, this this weight concern to be able to get the treatment, uh, it's it's very challenging to take that weight into our older years because it does so negatively affect our quality. Yeah, you don't see a lot, you know, somebody, uh, you know, not to be out of whatever, politically correct, but you don't see a lot of fat older people, right? John Candy ain't around. He was hilarious. Like, it sucks that he's gone. You know, Chris Farley, those types. Of, I mean, I know he was doing cocaine, probably not the best. But, you know, sugar, the molecule of sugar is very similar to cocaine in structure. It's only like one molecule different. So it could be cocaine or you could have table sugar from grandma. It's the same, same effect on the body pretty much. I mean, you're not as high, I guess. But um, I've seen kids go around. You see kids on sugar. They're, they're high at some level. My mom was trying to keep the sugar away from me, right? Sugar is so. so bad. Oh, it's so bad for us. And it is, it's pervasive in our society too. It is, it's addictive for sure. Yeah, it's definitely bad. Anything that's processed. All right. So we have, you know, we're talking about like obesity and stuff like that. And I remember I was, I was down in Florida at the Hippocrates Health Institute and I turned off a skis road onto Okeechobee and I looked and there was a big billboard up there and there was two doctors with their arms crossed, like kind of like superheroes and their garbs and stuff like, you know, and they're like robotic assisted weight loss surgery, come make an appointment. And I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, Oh my God, we've literally gotten ourselves as a society to a place where there's an industry that's going to charge us an arm and a leg to have robotic assisted weight loss surgery. How many animals in nature need robotic assisted weight loss surgery? Zip. Not one of them. The only animals that do are the domesticated animals that humans are feeding, the same crap that we're eating, and even the worst stuff, and these dog foods and cat foods. I mean, I'm telling you right now, if you've been paying attention to your health and you, you're looking at your pets, pets don't. Pets are like children. They're part of the family. If you don't take care of them, they're, they're not going to last as long. Like, we need some geroscience going down on our animals. Like, feed them good, healthy stuff. And there's a lot of this. The animals are getting the worst of the worst. They get the the bottom, the scraps, the ground up animals, the leftovers, the toxins. It's 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 pretty bad. But it's like in zoo animals too. Zoo animals get sick. It's just it's when you get out of balance with nature is where all these problems are are coming from. So I just thought that was just um, pretty asinine that we're at a point in time in our society where you they're actually there's a there's enough people in a business where they can sell robotic assisted weight loss surgery. That's pretty sad because the path and the environment and the lifestyle that you have that got you there, if that doesn't change, it's, you know, you're going to, you're, you're going to be back. It's just like heart disease. They, 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 you know, they'll do stints and stuff like that. And eventually like, Hey, we have to do a bypass. 
And then that'll last for a few, three, four years. And then, then they're back and you have double bypass, quadruple bypass, and then you die. You know, that's, that's what happened. Who wants to be in surgery all the time, every two, three, four years, major surgeries and recoveries and, and all that scar tissue blocking the electrical flow of the body. And just the, the worry you're putting on your family and the expense average bypass is well, it used to be like 50 grand. It's probably more now. It's probably 60, 70 cost of everything's going up. Um, I think it's just easier to detox, work on your spiritual path, calm the nervous system and, and, and eat some, put some nature in your body. I don't know. That's my motto. All right. So let's talk about memory loss, Alzheimer's and dementia in the last 25 years. What have you seen? It's increasing. Alzheimer's is one of the worst. If you took a poll of men and women, most likely and ask them, what is one of the most feared reasons for you to grow older? That would be dementia, specifically Alzheimer's for some reason, because Alzheimer's, if you think about dementia is like a, if you, if Think about an umbrella. When you open up an umbrella, you, you've got all these different space underneath the umbrella. Within the space under the, underneath the umbrella of dementia is Lewy body disease, frontotemporal dementia, Alzheimer's, Lou Gehrig disease, things like that. Alzheimer's, for some reason, affects people the most. It's, there's no cure. There's, there's no cure for Alzheimer's. They're working on it right now. Will there be a cure? Don't ask the geroscientists because they're going. Well, I would, to... I would have to have to actually interject on that because of people in, in my scope, I've actually seen, you're talking about the medical field has no cure, but the we, on, on, has... on the side of natural healing and detoxing and that kind of stuff there, there, you know, whether it's Lou Gehrig's disease, Alzheimer's dementia, it depends. It depends. Are they early or moderate stage? A lot of those cases can be stopped and in some cases reversed. If it's, you know, moderate, um, that could still they can still halt it some cases some cases reverse if it's kind of late stage and they're in a wheelchair drooling yeah they might be able to extend their life a little bit if they, I mean, we're talking about full lifestyle change like full like listen to all my episodes and you know a couple other things and like a lot of stuff to do right you have to completely change your lifestyle and you might be able to extend their life but at that point it's like what's the point like they're they're, they're they become a massive burden on the family i don't want to do that like if if i'm going out because i put that you know, I had that going on and I'm in a wheelchair drooling. Don't give me sprout juice. Just let me die so I can go on to the next journey and leave my family alone. That's my opinion. But if people are moderate to, you know, early stage, you know, on our side, I'm just saying that because I know that our, 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 our listeners and stuff like that, I want to let you know that there are, are other options. I'm not saying there's a cure for it. I'm just telling you what I've seen, what I've seen over the last 12 years of being in this industry. And I have seen people bring themselves back from these problems. In some cases, very rapidly. In some cases, in one therapy, they get you know 80% of their cognition back. There are things, the detoxification things that people can do. But you're right. In the medical community, they're going to tell you there's no cure, but they're still selling you Alzheimer's medications, aren't they? Well, and you're bringing up a good point too. So we definitely, so let's kind of tease this out, right? So what you're bringing up, because dementia can manifest itself in different ways. It can man manifest itself through a very poor diet and look like you have dementia like and you can act like you have dementia like symptoms. Or it can manifest itself in polypharmacy, which means you're taking a lot of pharmaceutical drugs. 
or it could manifest itself in mental illness or something like that, or, or some sort of an episodic. I mean, there's different ways that the symptoms of a dementia can manifest themselves. We don't know. We, we the medical community doesn't know if you actually have technically Alzheimer's until you die and they dissect your brain. Like that's literally, and then they find plaques. If you exhibit the symptoms of having some sort of a dementia-like quality symptoms, yes. So I'm not, I, I, I'm saying definitely, I agree with you that if you're exhibiting symptoms where you alter your lifestyle, change your diet, workout, strenuous workout, you know, mindfulness, really working your brain super hard, you, you can absolutely slow it down and stop if you have those symptoms showing from something like a polypharmacy. If it's truly adult onset or early onset dementia, if it's truly mild cognitive impairment, you can slow it down also through diet and exercise and mindfulness and all the things, Tim, that you and I are talking about. We could still do it. And that's where think, the research is that's where the research is coming in at is hey, even if you do have and it's pretty sure and it's not chemically induced, it's not, you know, a mental illness, it's not um anything else, you do have some diminished capacity, you could still benefit from exercise. You could still benefit from a really healthy diet. You can benefit from mental you know, uh, demanding rigorous type of a workout as well. So you definitely can slow it down. Absolutely can slow it down. Well, I think you've just discovered something. And it's something that I know, but I think that you brought up a an important point. You said if you don't, the medical community doesn't know if somebody has Alzheimer's until they die and they dissect their brain and they have what in their brain? Plaque. You said it. So my question is, is like, why is the plaque there? That would be, you know, if it's the plaque causing the problem, what's the plaque made of? What's causing the plaque? And then you stop doing that. And then you do things that will clean it up. So, you know, usually these solutions are so simple because people are like, oh, it's you can't do it because they're, they're spending billions and trillions trying to figure this stuff out. How could I, a working class person that's a, um, I'm, I'm a nurse or I'm a, I'm a waiter at a, at a, 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 or I'm a gas station. Tenant. I'm too dumb. I couldn't figure this stuff out. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. It's like, well, if you look and it's like plaque, then it's like, well, I wonder, wonder what causes the plaque. I wonder what they're eating. What's, what's going on in there? Oh, oh, there's some aluminum in there. Oh, well, maybe we should get them off aluminum pans and cook all that. That's what we do with our older folks. When people have memory issues, we get them off of all their old aluminum cookware. We have them stop drinking out of aluminum cans, and everybody should be doing what I'm saying here. We have them get off of sugar because sugar feeds it. It's like throwing gasoline on a bonfire of memory loss. And, um, and then you know, obviously, you need you know, you need to be using your brain. You need to be thinking, right? That's why you know, everybody knows like, oh, get them on crossword puzzles and stuff like that. Get them doing something. You know, it's like, well, so we understand the concept, but they need more than that, right? They need to really, use, they really need to stretch their brain because. They're just living, you know, they're bored too. They're bored. And a lot of people just, they want to exit. So it's just like, that's just a, it's, I don't know. It's just, this stuff is not complicated, but let's talk about this. So you've seen dementia, Alzheimer's, all this stuff going up like crazy. It's increasing. I think back in 2011, I thought it was like 25% of people 65 and older. And then a few years later, it was like 28% and rising. It was still going up. 
I don't know what the numbers are now, but it's it's getting scary because I know a lot of people I'm talking to my age in my 50s, they're coming back home here to take care of mom and dad. And there's a lot of Alzheimer's and dementia. And it's sad, too, because once you start experiencing this, I was just staying at a friend's house in Portland last weekend and her dad was he's 90 something. And he's like, well, who, where am I? And where, I mean, he's been there for like a couple of years. Where am I? He's like, I feel out of place. I, I feel kind of like an idiot. I don't, I don't know. Am I supposed to be here? What am I, what's my name? You know, I just like, it's like, this is the real stuff that is 24 seven in that household. Right. And they'll ask you a question. And then a minute later, they ask you the same question. And a minute later, they ask you the same question. And a minute later, five minutes later, it's the same question. And it's like, it's very taxing on people. I've, I've seen with, with hearing loss, like, Hey, can you help me out with that? What'd you say? I need you to help me with that. What'd you say? I said I needed help with that. And then they're raising their blood pressure, right? This is why people taking care of other people that have issues are dying sooner because it's like, it's, it's hard work. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, it becomes so much more difficult just to communicate. And then you talk about, you have Alzheimer's and dementia. What else do we see? Like, like, let's talk about like, what are you seeing with, um, specifically women taking care of men and when, they, when they can't move anymore, or they're, you know, they're trying to get in and out of the shower and that's uh, bathing. We're talking about activities of daily living. Can you speak to that a little bit? I can, and let's even broaden that out a little bit with what you brought up with women, with the, with the, with the, the wife of the Alzheimer's other 6 million people in the United States living with Alzheimer's. And of those six million, three fourths are women. And scientists don't know why. Don't know why that women tend to develop Alzheimer's more than men. There's still men that develop Alzheimer's as well. And if you're a couple, a, a man and wife couple, and if you have the situation or the scenario, which is quite common, actually, what you're describing, Tim, and you have the man, which is here. Guys are bigger. I mean, we we start, we women are smaller. We start off smaller. I mean, it's just, that's physiologically speaking. But when you have a 200 pound husband and you're 120 or maybe 130 pound wife and you're the caregiver for her, for him. And if you're around the same age, now we're not talking a 10 year or 20 year or something span. If we're talking a couple that are around the same age, that's a real challenge is to be the caregiver for your for your spouse for your husband, not only the physical demand is what you were speaking of, you know, being able to help him transfer, getting in and out of bed, you know, getting in and out of a car or something like that. I mean, the physical demand, but the emotional demand is so challenging with what you were describing with your friend and her father asking the same question over and over. If we're dealing with that type of a, you know, situation scenario where there's diminished capacity, then it makes it, I mean, You've got that, you've got the wife, she's grieving. She's constantly grieving. And the name for that is called ambiguous loss. So when you're in a relationship with somebody, a loved, your loved one, and, and they have a cognitive decline, they're not there all the time, right? And so you're grieving that person every moment of every day, even though they're physically standing in front of you, you've got that to deal with. And then you have the physical issue to deal with. And then you have the rest of the emotional issue. That's why, and this was a shocking statistic when I heard, and it was actually from a neuroscientist here at the, oh goodness, a Barrows Institute, at the Barrows Institute, a neurological institute, where he said, this neurologist said that 60% of caregivers 
who are caring for their loved one pass away before the person receiving the care. Well, it wears them out. It just wears them out. I've I have a person. I have many personal examples I can I can attest to. Um, one of them going on right now with some family members, and uh, yeah, like I, I remember that same gentleman I was telling you about. He's probably I don't know. He's ninety three, ninety four years old. He probably mm-hmm. weighs I don't know, hundred and sixty pounds, something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna guess. And mm-hmm. I heard a kathunk, and I knew I knew he fell, and I I ran upstairs. And um, sure as shit, he's laying on the floor and, uh, you know, he's trying to get up and he was going to the bathroom and it's just like, I try to pick him up and I'm like, I'm like, oh shit, like I got to go into redneck mode here. And I freaking just, it was everything, you know, I didn't have a smart, I've lifted weights and stuff like that. I was using my back and my legs. I wasn't using my back. I mean, I was using my legs and it was like mm-hmm. everything I could do because he's a, he was literally a dead weight mm-hmm. and it was like picking him up. And then I'm like, are you okay? And he's, and, and, and he's like, uh, and then he's like, oh, yeah, I started to come back. And he's like, oh, I'm getting dizzy again. I felt his legs get weak and the weight start coming back down on me. And I'm like, I had to power him down the, to, the, to the bedroom and lay him, lay him in bed and then like check him over and stuff like that. And, and um, his, his uh, daughter who was taking care of him, I'm like, I'm like, dude, what are you going to do? Like, if I wasn't here, what would you do? She's like, well, I just, I'd probably just call an ambulance and have somebody come over and just deal with it. You know, and it's like, and she's like 30 years younger than him. What What's his 90-year-old wife going to do? Or his 80-year-old wife? Or his 70-year-old wife? Or his 60-year-old? You know what I'm saying? It's like, and especially when we know that the pop, 80% of us are overweight, obese, or morbidly obese, people aren't even taking care of themselves. I mean, I literally, when I was, I was in traffic a month ago, pulling out, out of nature's pantry, getting my healthy stuff. And I pulled up to the stop, stop light there. It's a four-way stoplight. And this, this, overweight lady is i don't know probably in her late 50s and she looks twice as old as you do by the way and um for her age and you look great and all of a sudden this older lady with her granddaughter in the back is taking a left turn and right when she turns the sun is just bright right and she didn't see her and then she did but the lady was going so slow. I mean, it was just like I saw it happen. I'm like, she's going to hit her. She's going to hit her. And boom, it happened. I saw it happening before it even happened. And then as soon as she hit her, she stopped. She just barely hit her. And the lady's like, oh, and just think it just barely hit her. And then down she goes. And then whack, she hit her head on the ground. Right. So I grabbed my blanket. We put it under her head. Luckily, one of the other health pros there, he's a cop. He was getting some stuff. So he pulled in. We shut the whole place down. So people and then the ambulance come and I had to stay around because I was my truck was there and I was a witness. So I'd wait and do that deal. And, and I'm just thinking if this lady was healthy, she could have just walked really quick and avoided it. Or she could have just stiff armed it and said, whoa, whoa. And the lady would have stopped. You know what I mean? She could have just got out of the way, but she was <laughs> so physically unfit. She couldn't even take, she couldn't even get out of the way of danger. And what I'm saying is, is that that's what's happening to our society. We're de-evolving as a species. Yet I know other people that are in their eighties, nineties and hundreds. And they're like, there's people that climb up a coconut tree 300 days, 300 times a day, and they're ripped and they're 80, right? Because they've been moving their body and they've been into nature and stuff like that. So taking care of somebody, like people can't even take care of themselves. They can't even lift up their own weight, let alone pick up somebody else. So you're going to have to hire somebody. And I'm here to tell you this. There's companies out there that will supply care for you. It's not cheap, but here's the deal. Most of those people suck. 
because I've watched my friend go through person after person after person after person trying to plan trips with her with her um, spouse just to go to the coast to get a break and then has everything planned out does all this and the person doesn't show up oh i'm sick uh you need to be there um, mom and dad are going to be waking up and they're going to start fighting each other like it's it's going to be mayhem like it's like you 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 never get a break even when you get a break you can't get a break you have it's like i'm telling you like it's really hard to find people that are qualified to handle these people they'll say they do but the reality is and then some of them will just sit there and like watch TV and they don't even interact with them. They completely ignore them. You bring up really good points. Number one is we have a terrible caregiver shortage and that's only going to get worse because our aging population by the year 2035, we're going to have more old people than young people. Like we just don't have that amount of people to come in to be the caregiver. So it's a huge issue that we as a society have to contend and grapple with. And then the other point that I wanted to bring up was the mobility. So when you were talking about the, the woman who got hit by the car, which is a terrible yeah. story. And I, I, I could totally just see it in my mind's eye, the whole thing happening. One of my presentations that I do is called uh, Walking Like You Stole It. And I, I took that from one of my gerontology professors who scared us 25 years ago to make sure we had a really rigorous walk as a part of a, our exercise routine. And if we didn't have good mobility and good walking, we would end up in skilled nursing care facility. And back when I was 33 years old, I was like, that's not gonna happen to me. The thing is, is we have over 10% of people in our society, over 10% of our population has limited mobility. And that number is projected to grow. And falls are the number seven uh, cause of death in the United States. It's really real and it's really important, as you're saying, to be mobile and to be active, physically active you know, and, and cognitively active as well. Or this is what happens when we're not aware of our aging process. You just brought up a good point, which is, um, you know, you were talking about people, she's, uh, you just mentioned something. I have, I have like 10 thoughts in my head right now. Well, the first one that came up was life alert. Like there's literally, everybody's heard of this. I've fallen and I can't get up, right? It's like there's a business and then they sell that because living in fear, like, because I can't take care of myself. I, I'm not mobile. Now here's the deal. Some people have stuff happen. There's accidents. That would be great for that. But it's like the growing population. Oh, I know what it was. You said that there's more older people, the baby boomers, like there's 10,000 of them turning 62 every day, something like that. There's a tremendous amount, 65, right? And um, it's it's crazy, right? So the young, there's not enough young people to take care of them. There's growing amounts of them getting dementia, Alzheimer's, and all these problems, lot, uh, activities of daily living. They can't even get in and out of the shower, like literally. If someday you're going to, whoever's listening to this show, you're going to be 65. There's not going to be enough people to take care of you. So take care of yourself. That's the message today. Become your own caregiver now to do this. Do this for yourself. Do this for your family. I mean, start somewhere. If you can't do it for yourself, do it for your family. Because if you don't take care of yourself, then somebody else is going to have to. Their level of care might not be exactly what you want. And you might not mm -hmm. even know how you're being treated. Mm -hmm. and I've, I've lived it and breathed it. I've seen this stuff. And it is a, it's a shit show. It really is. It's not, it's, I guarantee you it's something you want no part of. And it's a reminder. Like when I was living in that house, I had to clean that bathroom three times a day. 
because otherwise it was gross. Because just you know, you just peeing on yourself, and then you you know sometimes there'd be a turd just laying on the floor. Well, how'd that get there? You know, and then you you walk by the room and you see shit stains on the bed, and that kind of stuff. I'm like, this is the future. You lose your function. You lose. You and you don't even know. Hey, you need to take a bath. I ain't taking a shower. I ain't taking a bath. I ain't doing that. And you, it's like fight. Good luck trying to get some of these people to take a shower. Like, it's pretty tough. And who's gonna? You have to like. It's like giving a a, a dog a shower, and maybe they're a cat. Try to give a cat a shower, right? Except the cat's like 200 pounds, right? And not happy about it. Well, <laughs> you. <laughs> I had a visual of a cat. I had a cat for 10 years. Well, you, you really bring up a good point too, which is to um, to be self-aware of your own aging process and, and to take care of yourself because literally who's going to take care of you? And, and that is something that we have to grapple with, that we have to think about is our own aging process and to be very self-aware. And a lot of people aren't self-aware of their aging process. So if anything, to take away from this would be to become self-aware of your own aging process, to take a check, a gut check, which is what my gerontology professors used to say is take a gut check, do a reality check of where you're at physically, mentally, and then decide, is that where you want to be? Because truly the, the definition of successful aging is maintaining your independence. It's a definition. You're not dependent on other people, your community, your family, and exactly. your self and you're self-sustaining and it's less expensive that way too. When you think about it, that's a really it. good I mean, point. It's, motivated just, it's just... just money. Then you can look at it from that perspective is it's less expensive healthcare wise to stay active. That's what it is. It's, it's really about being independent. Do you want to keep your independence or do you want to be relying on other people and gr knowing that the growing number of people like you, if you're, if you're going down that path, there's not enough help for you. And the help that they have is really not that great. Now, I'm not going to, there are some caregivers out there, hospice workers, caregivers that take care of these people that are amazing people. Okay. Like, and I'll just, just to clarify, like when we have people come into our coaching program, if, if people are have uh, in the military, law enforcement, firefighters, nurses, teachers, people like this, or somebody that's a hospice worker or a caregiver. And I find out 50% off. I just give them just and just just enough to pay my coach. I don't, the company won't take any money at that point because I understand what you're doing. It's a freaking and these people are amazing people. They're they're these are angels. Like these people that are taking care of somebody in a dementia situation. Uh, and usually, you know, they're women. They're women that are big, strong women, and they have to be because they got to pick up a dude and throw him around and wipe his butt. I mean, like literally, that's that's a pretty freaking amazing human being doing that work to me. But like you're saying, the younger kids coming up, a lot of them are just there. They're not even paying attention, and they shouldn't even be in the industry. And they're like, oh, yeah. And they say they have the experience, but they don't. They don't know what it's like. They, they, they start taking things personally. It's like, no, dude, they're, they, they're losing their carotid arteries full of plaque, and they don't have blood flow there. They, they can't think, and their, their mind's rotting away. I, right, I, can share, I can share with you as far as the younger generations as well. Like I'm at the very end of the baby boomer generation. And what, I could, what I've noticed over time with all the younger generations, because we technically have seven generations, the younger generations really care about their, their older adults and their family, whether it's their grandma or their grandpa or an aunt or an uncle. They really do care and they want to see a better outcome for their older adults. You know, they're these older adults that are in their family or they were positively influenced by them. So that's uplifting for, for me 
to see that time and time again, that these younger people, younger generations, Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z, and even the alpha generation, which was born in like the mid 2010s or something like that, uh, they are definitely caring about their, about old, the older adults. So I just wanted to throw that in there. Well, that's good. And you know, when we'll talk about the blue zones, the people that live the longest, that has the most centurions, these certain areas around the world, um, you know, the, the number two uh, factor was um, uh, respecting elders. And I think, you know, the way things are going down, it's, it's, you just, you, you have to respect yourself. I mean, you have to start respecting yourself. And if you respect yourself, you're much more likely to respect your elders. And then you're going to live longer, right? And you're not going to be a burden to your family. We just don't want that. I don't want to be a burden to my family at all. I want to lift people up. I want to be the guy that I want to, I like helping people. I just like helping people. I remember when I was down in Portland and I hated it down there for most part, but like we get a snowstorm down there and I knew everybody was screwed. So I just load up, get my water. I have my chains, everything I go down. I just start pulling people out of the snow. It was fun for me. Like I got to get, cause everything else is shut down. So I just went out and just like unstuck people, towed them home. You know, I, I could spend half a day doing that. Like, okay, I'm done now. I'm going to go see if the Thai place is open and get some you know, <laughs> co coconut soup. That's great. What a great workout too. And you're doing yeah. great for humanity and, you know, and, and, and great workout as well. Yeah. And that's what, that's what you want to be able to do. You want to be a functioning member of society. And like, again, certain things happen. There are accidents. Some people get incapacitated. This, you can't, these people are where, where we do need help. We need the care. I would just like to see a more higher quality care. And we would have higher quality care in these situations if there was less of these situations. And it really goes back to you becoming your own doctor and learning how to self-heal so you don't have to be part of this literal shit show. It literally is. You want no part of this. I hope that this um, interview has um, just opened some people's eyes. And I hope that – I know a lot of our listeners probably understand all this stuff. Um, uh, maybe it's some new stuff to them. But if, if anything, it could be an episode that you can share with friends or family members that are stubborn you know, and that are just like, maybe they need a little bit of a wake up call because this is like, I'm telling you, like I was a financial advisor. I've seen this over and over and over again. And then I've been in the health industry. I've seen it over and over and over again. I've seen it up close and personal in people's homes. Barb's seen it for 25 years. She's watched the statistics going up where people's activities of daily of living, just being able to go to the bathroom, take a shower, put on your clothes. It, it, more and more people can't do it. And somebody's going to have to help them. Is that going to be you? Do you want do you want you you want to take care of your spouse when you get a little bit older? Um, do you want your spouse to take care of you? If not, here's the wake up call. Get active and don't make getting healthy so hard. You know, it's reduce your stress, get the toxins out of your body and flood your body with nature and nutrition and hang out with people that love you and you'd be surprised how fast um that you can get your health back and we're always happy to help you over here at Chemical Free Body. We have products, services, coaching to help you out. Hey, Barb, is there anything, uh, last words of wisdom that you would like to give to the folks before we bounce? I think you said it all, Tim. Just love your body, love your mind, embrace your aging. It's it's not all bad. There's a lot of positive aspects to aging to embrace it, but you've got to take care of your body. I mean, your body truly is a temple. We've only got one body. We've only got one shot. And mm -hmm for you to take care of it as best as you can for as long as you can. And not, and if not for yourself, like you said earlier, for your family. Yeah. And I think a lot of you might start there where you're doing it for other people, but eventually you're going to get to the point where it's like, Hey, I'm doing this for myself. I mean, I went through that. I did the whole change because my friend got cancer. And I'm like, I'm going to do this for him. I mean, I was interested in health, but I really 
I don't think I could have done it unless I, I actually verbally committed to him and I gave my word. Um, and then I needed to see it through because I thought I was going to lose another friend to cancer. And then after a couple of years, I remember him eating a peanut butter cookie. And I was like, dude, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> like you shouldn't eat that. And he's I say, you got cancer. He's like, well, you know, I'll live a little. I'm like, dude, like I said, you can do what you do. But I'm, I love myself so much now. I'm not going to stop. Like, you know, and there's nothing wrong with eating a peanut butter cookie once in a while, whatever. But like when you have cancer and you're still he was still not out of the woods. I'm like, what are you doing? Like that? That's just like like throwing gasoline on a bonfire. Just stay away from it until like, you're completely healed. And that ship is completely sailed. And then maybe you can throw in a cookie once in a while. But for right now. But I, I, I realized at that point when that moment happened that I was like, wow, I'm doing this with or without him now. So my point is, is that if you need to do it for somebody else because you, you don't have enough love for yourself yet, but you love your kids more, you love your grandkids more, then use that leverage and do that. But I hope that you get to a point where you'll do it because you love yourself. And if you really do love your kids and grandkids, being the example is the best thing that you can do. You are the example. That's why I always say change yourself, change your world. Your world literally changes. If you want to help your friends and family and your coworkers and your society and your kids and grandkids, be the change. Show them. Stick with it. Never give up. Make it happen. Um, Barb just started rolling jujitsu in her late 50s. How old are you? If you're listening, like, it doesn't matter how old you are. Just freaking go for it. Just do it. And you'll find out that... Um, you know, if we can walk on the moon, if that happened, I think it did, um, then you can probably get your health back and it's not, it doesn't need to be that complicated. So thank you guys for tuning in. If you guys noticed, I didn't even do a break, the second break, because this conversation was important. I just wanted to keep it rolling. I want to thank everybody around the globe listening again, making us one of the fastest growing natural health podcasts in the world. So thank you for liking, thank you for subscribing and more importantly, sharing this podcast with your friends and family. I hope it makes a difference. I hope it makes a dent today to get people to move again today was more of this show was more about being the stick right a little bit of carrot at the end there it's like loving yourself is the carrot but um we just look around and we see what's going on today with our with our aging population and even younger kids now are getting sick so everybody needs this everybody needs help but don't be a statistic be a light until next time change yourself change your world and i'll see you guys again soon bye for now thanks for listening again to the health hero show i'm your host tim james and remember, change yourself, change your world, and we'll see you again on the next episode. Talk to you soon. You have just listened to The Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs>